everyone give her a big cheer? This is Catherine. Going to do a little impromptu get to know Catherine. So Catherine, can you tell us uh, how old are you? I'm 16. And what grade are you in at school? Uh, just finished grade 11. And um, what school are you at? And uh, Christian College. Very good. Um, what's your favourite food? I don't have one. Okay. <laughs> what's your do? You, okay. What's your favourite colour? Purple. Purple. Okay. Any other questions we want to know of Catherine? Have you got a boyfriend? No. <laughs> <laughs> Catherine, we're very excited. Not just saying that because your mum's in the room. No. We're very excited to have this young woman preach with us today. This is the first time preaching, yeah? Is that right? I got to hear um, Catherine share a devotion at youth group. Jessie sent it through to me and goes, listen to this girl, listen to this girl. And I went, wow, that girl's got a gift. And I encouraged her to um, come and preach on a Sunday. And so here we are. She's all ready. Hang on. Changing dates. Yeah, after lots of changing dates, we, we finally settled on a date and here we are. And Catherine's going to bring the word. So why don't you give her a big cheer? Thank you. I don't think I really need an introduction now. <laughs> so I'm going to talk about storms because we just read that verse. And because it's coming up to December, Townsville, Townsvillians just love to welcome the summer months that are provided for us, the weather that the summer months provide for us, right? I mean, we sweat more than politicians on election day. We go out to the grocery store to buy bread and we find toast on the shelf instead. And we can fry eggs on the pavement rather than heating up our house. But then there are the lovely cyclones that love to pay us a visit as well every now and again, but luckily that hasn't been for a while. I remember I was a child in grade one at the time when there was a whole prospect of Cyclone Larry coming through, the Category 5 cyclone that devastated North Queensland in 2001. Luckily, most of the damage missed Townsville, but for some strange reason, as a six-year-old child, the idea of spending the whole day and night in the bathroom with my family wearing hard hats and having an endless supply of food and the day of school kind of seemed exciting. <laughs> but there was this young girl who moved up to the tropics and was excited by the idea of a harsh storm that could potentially change everything she lived for. A bit absurd, right? But the government loves to remind us of these storms and questions us about what our plan will be. And recently, an ad that I've seen on the TV gets right to the point of the rainy season and makes us question about what our plan will be when our foundations are shaken during heavy storms. What will you risk losing before you plan for storm season? Your trampoline. Your pets. Your roof, your memories, the most important people in your life. So what's your what-if plan for storm season? Get ready. Get online and prepare your what-if plan today. Authorised by the Queensland Government, Brisbane. What is your what-if plan when the storms hit this storm season to stop your house from falling with a great crash? So let's remember the parable that Paula just read with the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus spoke about the wise and foolish builders. And I'm just going to read that again from Matthew 7, 24 to 29. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. 
But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teacher of the law. This parable never once mentioned that only some people will experience storms. Only those who are bad will go through hard times. Jesus doesn't say if we do everything perfect, we'll be saved. He doesn't say that if we live a clean life, we will not experience hard times. In fact, he was the perfect and most perfect person to ever walk this earth. He was God's only son, sinless, yet he is the perfect example of someone enduring hardship. Weird, right? Of bad happening to a good person. Jesus clearly tells us in the parable of the wise and foolish builders that we are going to experience hard times, no matter what. It doesn't mean that we are good or bad, that we are loved by God or not, but life just happens. 1 Peter tells us through chapter 4, verses 12, not to be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come upon us as if something strange were happening to us. We are told in the parable and through this verse that we are going to be shaken. Our foundations will be tested, the rain will come, the streams will rise, and the winds will blow and beat, just like that strong cyclone Larry all those years ago, although I recommend that you don't get excited about that. <laughs> Every person experiences times like this when we are extended periods of trial and we call out to God, but he just doesn't seem to answer. Therefore, we take matters into our own hands and try and figure out our own ways to keep ourselves standing when we can feel the weight of us beginning to fall. But we aren't alone. For Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit. Abraham didn't, Abraham didn't trust God's promise and took matters into his own hands. Cain killed Abel. May, Moses didn't believe that he could save the Israelites. David committed adultery. Samson didn't keep his promise. Esther thought she couldn't be used. Saul persecuted Christians. Peter denied Jesus. Joseph was sold into slavery, accused of something he didn't do, and then thrown into prison because of it. John the Baptist was beheaded. Judas betrayed Jesus, and Peter was crucified. What is it that all of these people have in common? They were normal people living normal lives. And somewhere along the way, they experienced many trials in their lives and lent on their own temporary foundations that could have caused them to fall with a great crash. However, God used them for something miraculous and took, they took his words and put them into practice so that they did not fall because their foundations were therefore firm on the rock. Adam and Eve populated the earth. Abraham was the father of a great nation. Moses released the Israelites from the Egyptians. David is known as the man after God's own heart. Samson delivered Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Esther saved God's people from being destroyed. Paul became one of the most influential and evangelical Christians of all time. John the Baptist was a prophet, prophesizing the life of Jesus. The betrayal of Judas ensured that Jesus would be our savior and Peter was a powerful leader and wrote two books of the Bible. God used these people dramatically. People that had sinned, lied, gone astray, denied him, resented him, didn't believe in him, didn't listen, failed, considered outcasts, persecuted his people and those who experienced many storms. More than I have gone through so far, probably less than some of you, maybe more than all of us put together. Therefore, we too need a plan 
to combat these inevitable storms, but not so much asking the question that the government's asking us of what is our what-if plan, but rather, what is his plan? But there is hope, for Jesus said in the parable that if a man built his house on the rock, it will not fall, even in the harsh conditions like the cyclones that the tropics face. This doesn't mean that the wise men didn't see the lightning outside. It didn't mean that he didn't hear the thunder. It didn't mean he didn't see the rain and probably was scared in his bathroom wearing a hard hard hat. (laughs) But his house did not fall. There's a passage from Isaiah 61.3 and it says that our ashes are traded for beauty. And other translations say that he will replace, give us a crown to replace our ashes. So it was believed that around the time that Isaiah was written was the 8th century. And the iron crown of Lambrity has been dated back to this as well. And that's it there. So it's assumed that the crown that's being spoken about in Isaiah is similar to this one. A gold band was set with 22 gemstones. The iron crown of Lambrity is said to be made from a narrow band beaten out of the nails used in the crucifixion of Jesus. And the outer circlet is made from gold and set with these precious stones. One of these stones being the diamond. And that's what I'm going to talk about today. A diamond is formed from tightly compressed carbon molecules. And as the carbon sits deep in the ground, the heat and pressure forces the carbon atoms to pack together as tightly as possible to form super organized, dense and strong lattice structure thus producing the most concentrated form of carbon known to mankind, the diamond. Wikipedia says that it's a transparent crystal of tetrahedrally bonded carbon atoms in a covalent network lattice. Much to my chemistry teacher's, yeah, lattice, not lettuce. Much to my chemistry teacher's dismay, I was a little confused about that, so I'm just gonna break it down for you. All we need to know is that not in places from lettuce, but places that are extremely hot and where there's a lot of pressure where the overlaying rock bears down are the only places with enough combination heat, pressure and compression that produce the perfect environment to form a diamond. A diamond that is set with 21 other gemstones and fixed in a golden crown made from the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and is given to us to replace our carbon ashes. Carbon that becomes a new creation through the trials and gift of life through our Saviour. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. And because we are new creations, we have hope in the trials. We have hope when there's heat and pressure to become new creations. We can stand firm with our crowns upon our heads, our old carbon ashes pulled away and can feel secure on our solid rock. When the rain comes, when the streams rise and when the winds blow and beat. We can declare with strength and rejoice that we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. That we are perplexed, but not in despair. That we are persecuted, but not struck down, abandoned. And that we are struck down, but not destroyed. Just like the super bond diamond on our crown. Because the old has gone, the new is here, and we are no longer carbon ashes, but are beautiful diamonds. And we carry around in our crowns the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed through us. So yeah, that's all pretty cool, but you know, so what? Romans 5.3 tells us we rejoice in our sufferings because suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And in the American Standard Version, it refers to perseverance as steadfastness. 
And recently, I've really loved the word steadfast because I looked it up and it's defined as resolutely and dutifully firm and unwavering. Our suffering produces dutifully firm and unwavering faith, just like the solid rock that the wise man built his house on. And just like the unbreakable lattice, lattice, covalent bond of the diamond, an extremely strong bond because of the many individual bonds holding it together, it therefore cannot undergo easy breakage because of the dutifully firm and unwavering bonds holding it together. It isn't hard to miss that what Jesus is trying to say in the parable is that with the right foundations and bonds holding the house to the ground, it will not fall no matter how strong the winds are. So how do we know when our foundations are shaky? Well, there's a little structure that we all know. And it was in December 2001 that the Leaning Tower of Pisa was reopened to the public after being closed for 12 years because of safety risks. The tower, between this time, the tower underwent serious renovation and redevelopment to be able to deem the structure safe against anything Mother Nature threw at it. Over the years, the tower had been leaning further and further from vertical to the point where Italian authorities were worried that it was going to collapse. And when investigating this the tower, the problem wasn't so much its bad design or the materials of the structure, but rather the unstable foundations that the building was relying on. The tower had no firm foundations. Similarly, the foolish builder who built his house on sand meant that natural process ensured that this structure fell with a great crash because it did not have a sound and safe basis keeping everything else in check and maintaining a structure that could stand despite the rain and wind that the storms provided. Why was the house built on rock able to weather the storm but the other house was not? It all comes back to the bonds and practices keeping that structure to its foundation and keeping it firm. So therefore, what bonds and building materials are we equipped with to produce beauty and resilience out of the hard times? When the heat rises, the pressure builds up, the rains come, streams rise, and winds blow. Jesus tells us in the beginning of the parable that anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. It's never too late to rebuild your foundation so that you can be reopened and deemed safe and secure and strong again. Through his word and investing into God's truth, we have guaranteed strength in the hard times. When I was in grade one again, seems like a lot of interesting things happened to me in grade one, <laughs> there was a learning program at my school called You Can Do It, and it consisted of the five keys or five qualities that could build emotional, social, and academic success in young children. Things like confidence, organization, etc. And they're all given characters, one of them being Ricky Resilient. And basically, if you were found throughout that week by a teacher holding one of these qualities, you were able to sit at your desk with a little plush toy of the character on your desk and a little trophy, and it was the real deal. Like, if you got that, it was, you are pretty cool. <laughs> um, and they all had little songs. And Ricky Resilient's song was, when stuff gets tough, I take a breath or two, I can make it through, that's what I do. If the band would like to come up now, that'd be good. But this song has stuck with me almost 11 years later. Not because it's catchy or fun, but because there's truth in what this little character was saying. 
Jesus says in the beginning of the parable that anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice does not fall. We can't just sit around, listen to his words, come to church, hear a sermon every week and go home. We have to take his word and put them into practice. Just like Ricky says, we need to take a breath or two. We must put his words into practice. We must advance. We must take a breath of his word and ensure our foundation is strong and we are aware of his truth. So when it comes like time, then we become like the wise men whose foundations were firm on the solid rock of truth and could continue through those storms because it's the one who hears these words and does not advance, the one who has an unstable foundation, the one who built his house on the sand, that is the one whose house crumbles. And today, if you can see the waves and you can feel the lightning, you can hear the thunder, don't be afraid because it's okay if you're on the firm foundation. For all things work together for good. And all you need to do is ask and he'll rebuild your house with you on the right foundation. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. Thank you.